Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good evening and welcome to episode 26 of the AI Comic Pod. I am your host, Stu. Now, we've had a bit of a lineup change today. Rory's been benched because we got some reports that his performances just weren't good enough. So we've had to drop him. He might be back next week. We'll just have to see, you know, see how he responds to this. So we're actually joined by Mr. Joseph Connors today. He stepped into the fold to help us out. How's it going? Everything's good, man. Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Anyone who, who follows the parables on Twitter knows that most of what we talk about is comics, and it's mostly very childish and very excitable. Joey knows a shitload more about comics than me, so I love listening to him talk crap, and you lot seem to like listening to me talk crap, seeing as we've managed 26 episodes now when we've been going for like nine months, so thank you for that. Uh, what we're actually going to do tonight is we're going to do a preview of Doctor Strange. Uh, we always try and do previews before the, the big releases, whet everyone's appetite, give you a little bit of background knowledge about the character and about the film, and hopefully, you know, if anyone's umming and ahhing as to whether they're going to go and watch it, we can shove you over the edge with both hands and get you into the cinemas. So <laughs> it's, no strange to, it's no stranger to anyone Marvel tend to release a big, a big film every few months, don't they? They like to keep us coming back three, three times a year usually. And um, Doctor Strange is the, what is this? The second offering of Phase Three. So we started off with Civil War. Now we're into uh, Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange is is releasing something into the MCU, something that we've never really seen before. And that's the concept of magic and the mystic arts, as they tend to call it. They don't really tend to call it magic because I think it conjures up images of like Paul Daniels and you know pulling rabbits out of hats. <laughs> and uh, it's something that we've never really seen. You know, we, we've got heroes that have been created through science, like the Hulk and Cap. We've got technical-based heroes like Iron Man. We've got people who have got no real powers, but they're really well trained, like say Black Widow and Hawkeye. You've then got the, the cosmic powers with the likes of Thor. So bringing in the... And then we, we've got mutants as well, like we've got Deadpool. And the way they did it, we've got Quicksilver and, and Scarlet Witch. But then the, the mystical side of things, it's the last kind of piece of the puzzle. And this feels like this is going to be one of the major pieces going forward, especially with Thanos coming in Infinity Wars. 
because Doctor Strange is, and I'll, I'll hand over to Joey in a moment to do more backstory because he knows a lot more about this than I do. But Doctor Strange is, is most definitely one of the most powerful beings in, in Marvel, Marvel folklore. So you, you get the feeling that they are going to need his help. It's not going to be a case of just lasers and missiles and punching and you know Hulk smashing that's going to take down Thanos. They are going to need to tap something a little bit different. So I'll throw over to Joey. Why don't you give us a little bit of a background as to Doctor Strange, the character, sort of where he originated from and what his, what his, his deal is. So Doctor Stephen Vincent Strange was originally a egotistical, awesome surgeon based out of New York City. He lost his ability to use his hands in an accident. And, you know, I'll make a really, really long story, sort of short. He traveled to Nepal to found, find one who's called the Ancient One. Now, the Ancient One, who was being played by Tilda Swinton, which we'll touch on later, taught Stephen Strange all these powers. And people think magic, like Stu was saying, they think rabbits out of a hat, David Blaine, David Copperfield. It's not that kind of magic. So his magic is kind of, sort of like, explained by quantum physics. Now, are we going to sit here and talk about quantum physics for 10, 10 minutes, 20 minutes? Probably not. And two reasons for that is because it's boring as hell, and it's really difficult to explain. But quantum physics or quantum mechanics is a fundamental it's just a fundamental branch of physics concerned with processes involving atoms and photons um again without getting into it too much that's where his magic sort of comes from in marvel universe there's usually about three different sets of magics there's personal magic which is exactly what it sounds like it's magic related to the body and mind of the magician think uh dr doom loki you know, they can use this astral projection, telepathy, controlling your inner energy. Um, a, lot of, a lot of Marvel characters can't do this, so it's very, uh, it's very special to these certain characters. Next set of magic is called a universal magic. It's much more powerful. Think Scarlet Witch. You know, somebody who can you – know, when I talk Scarlet Witch, people think of just the character, but she's actually – you know, the character in the movie. She is actually one of the most powerful Marvel characters in the universe, hands down. But universal magic kind of relies on energies in the world around you, if that kind of makes sense. The sky's kind of the limit. This is teleporting, time travel, energy blast. So we talk about time travel, we're actually talking about Stephen Strange as well, because he can go through different portals. And the last type of magic is called extra-dimensional magic, and it's complicated. Think of more beings, sort of dark phoenix but not Jean Grey, um, they're usually called principalities. So pretty much what they are, they're just kind of non-human, they're aliens, and they accrued so much magical power that they kind of share it. It's actually the Book of Ashanti, which is what uh, Doctor Strange carries around. It's one of the most, if not the most, powerful item in the Marvel Universe. So this book just basically has all sorts of magic from everywhere, unknown dimensions, unknown entities, so that's pretty damn powerful. So that'll explain Doctor Strange's magical part. But as far as you know, where he came from, how he was created, is a really, really cool backstory. So back in 63, which is a long time, way before Stu and I were born, he was, he was introed in Strange Tales 110. And it, back then, comics were obviously much different than they are now. 
he was actually in a split series book with the Human Torch. Odd if you think about it now, because two huge characters appearing at the exact same time in one comic book. Worth a lot of money if you have it. Um, but he debuted in 1963, and he was created by Steve Ditko. Now, a lot of people don't know who the hell Steve Ditko is, and it's a shame because he doesn't get the credit he deserves. Everybody knows Stan Lee because he's in every movie. Um, he is the PR guy for Marvel, and, he, and while he's great at that, he did not create everybody. He, only, he really had nothing to do with Stephen Strange. So Ditko created him out of essentially tripping on acid and doing drugs. He was that kind of guy when he was younger, and if you've ever seen his art, it's unbelievable for that time. So in 1963 through 1968, before Ditko ended up leaving Marvel over creative differences, but really he didn't get along with Stan Lee, he drew some of – I mean, it looked like Salvatore Dali paintings. They were that amazing. It's, you just don't see it nowadays. And how he came up with that stuff and the basis for the character was – it's based off of a character from a radio program called Shandu the Magician, which isn't really going to make much sense to anybody or meaning whatsoever. It's from the 30s. I didn't really know what the hell it was. But that's where he got the idea of the magician. So – Along with his powerful spells and his powerful magic, he has many different you – know, he can fly. He has the, his cloak of levitation. He does have the Eye of Agamotto, which gives some added powers, which you actually see that hanging from his cape. But back to Steve Ditko. So Steve Ditko is huge for creating another big character that a lot of people don't realize that he did. Ditko created Spider-Man. Really? Which many, yeah, many oh. people think. Yeah, many people think Stan Lee created Spider-Man, but here's the thing to it. Stan Lee came up with the name for it. He thought of Spider-Man. He, he seen a, a magazine in a, in, a no, in a magazine that's no longer even in publication. And he wanted to do a character that the name had Spider in it. So he thought, okay, well, Spider-Man. So he, t- he talks to Ditko about it. But Ditko came up with all the storylines, the suit, and everything. The only thing that Stan Lee did was come up with Spider-Man, even though he had no idea what this character looked like, and he wrote the dialogue in the comics. So a lot of people don't realize that, but that's actually all that Stanley did for Spider-Man. He, he has been criticized of that a lot, hasn't he, that he tends to take a lot of credit for things that have got nothing to do with him. Yeah, he's notorious for doing that. And, and Ditko got a really raw deal. He basically, like I said earlier, he got pushed out. And that was because of... See, Ditko was just a different guy, especially for that time. You know, Ditko was in the Ayn Rand, you know, famous for Atlas Shrugged books, Fountainhead, books like that. And she preached objectivism, which is essentially being selfish without getting into it. Well, people at Marvel didn't like that. Ditko wanted to be like, hey, I created this. This is mine. I want more leeway for creativity. He just wasn't given it. And unfortunately, they had to part ways. And Ditko is actually still alive. He's only 88. He's 88 years old. I shouldn't say only. But, you know, he just – all you see is Stan Lee. He gets pushed in your face constantly. But, yeah, I mean, the creator, Steve Ditko, is just an amazing drawler. He just really – he was absolutely incredible. Yeah, I've, I've seen um, some of the artwork that he's done for Doctor Strange, and the best comparison is the one that you've given. It's like Salvatore Dali. It's trippy. It's psychedelic. The colors – it's sad in a way that the colors were – in that old style, because if you were to ima- if you were to reimagine that now, 
it would be so much brighter, so much more vibrant because the comics are such are of such a higher quality. But they are fantastic to behold. Um, yeah, yeah. Even, I mean, he was. You know, we we think of these pe- these characters as just comic book characters, but in reality, all comic writing is based on real life. I mean, there was universities and, and colleges in the U.S. taking these stories, and they were teaching them in, in Harvard and Ivy League schools. Stuff that just people don't know, and it's it's amazing that you know something that costs like a, a nickel. They were they were using that in universities explaining. Yeah. The science behind it, not only the science, but again, it's it's the drawing. You just did not see that kind of color, that kind of art. And well, obviously, it is, it's artwork, isn't it? I, I, I often think about this when and you and I talk about it. When I look at a lot of my comics now, whether it's something that came out last week or something that was drawn in the 70s and the 80s or the 60s or the 50s, I do consider it to be artwork that the intellect it takes and the creativity it takes to put these things you know from your brain onto paper or onto canvas or whatever it's very often derided because comics are seen as being quite childish but if you were to take some of these panels from from old doctor strange comics if you can look at that and not at least go bloody hell or wow that looks good then i think you know there's you're missing something a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's look at all the stuff that was going on when these uh, these comic books were created in the '60s. You had the Vietnam War. You know, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I've written articles for Comic Pod about all kinds. Do you know this about all kinds of different I was, stuff? I was just going to mention your Iron Man one as well, which um, goes into the Cold War. Yeah, yeah. I mean, stuff like that that you know people don't realize. They just you know, it's okay, and it's okay to look at it just from, oh, this is a really cool comic book, I like it. But if, if you want to dive deeper into that, there is massive issues, whether it's ethics or race, religion, I mean, you name it. And in and and one comic book or another, they do talk about it, and it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. And just to, to go back to something you mentioned before, it's we should already have had an introduction to, to magic, in the MCU with Scarlet Witch. Her power is pretty much limitless. As it stands now in the films, it's generally accepted that the Vision is probably the most powerful entity out there. But in reality, Scarlet Witch could tear him atom from atom if she wanted to. One of the storylines from the comics, if I remember rightly, in a very, very, very abbreviated way, she basically she destroys the entire universe, doesn't she? Because she's grieving over the death of her and Vision's children. Yeah, that's the House of M, where yeah. she steals his power. Yes, and she, yep. she she basically tears the universe a new arsehole. So that's how powerful she is. Whereas it on on screen, we've seen it. She was she was given her powers by whichever one of the gems it was that they were experimenting on the twins with. And they've yes. kind of just bypassed it. But she's a little bit different. She She's a different type of magic. She's chaos magic, isn't she? So it's not outright mysticism. It's got it's got more of its roots in, in chaos theory. And I'm guessing that they wanted to introduce the character. They had a plan. They wanted to bring the, the twins in. And spoiler alert, they wanted to make Quicksilver die as a martyr. And they must have thought, look, there's no way that we can introduce all this mysticism without giving her her own movie. And I don't think we can drop a character like this, give her a movie, and then hold back this storyline for three or four years. So they've just gone, right, she's a mutant, that'll do. 
it would be I would like them to and I don't think they will if they went back and sort of retconned that a little bit and maybe they sort of they sort of explained and said well the experiments that they did unlocked a latent magical ability or something and reintroduced that as a magic person rather than as being a mutant because it seems a shame to not have her I, I like to pigeonhole heroes based on what they can do and what have you and it seems a shame that she's not in that because there's not really that many well-known magic users that are going to translate well on the big screen there's lots of them around but a lot of them aren't going to be good aren't going to be good enough or popular enough to to either have their own um film or their own series or even to just be a guest star so it like it like we said before it opens up this whole new this whole new world into the mcu and th- this film's been in development for a while uh, it, it's something we've spoken about on on the comic pods in the past that we make no secret of our love and our admiration of marvel's casting they very very rarely seem to get the big castings wrong when when they when they pluck a name for their leading leading man or leading lady Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Paul Rudd. We fucking love Paul Rudd. Of course we do. He's, <laughs> he's, he's a national treasure and he's not even my nation. But if anything <laughs> happened to him, I'd take time off work to mourn him. And it, it looks like they've done it again with Benedict Cumberbatch. They, they wanted him, but they couldn't get him. I think it was, I'm sure it was something like 2012 because he was yeah. busy doing Sherlock and then he got tapped up to do Star Trek Into Darkness. But rather than saying, well, we can't get him. Who was, who was big? Who's the backup? They've gone, you know what? We'll shelf it. We'll, we'll wait it. From what I understand, they wanted Doctor Strange to be released in Phase 2. But mm-hmm. rather than compromising, they didn't want to ruin that vision they had. And they thought, well, we'd rather put it back by three or four years and get the guy that we think portrays it so well and you look at him in in the suit with the eye of agamotto and the cape of levitation and walking around in the sanctum sanctorum he looks perfect he look it's it's like robert downey jr he looks every bit stephen strange and dr strange the only bit i don't like is the accent i don't like benedict cumberbatch as anything other than the most british man alive but i don't think it would have worked if you were to have this world famous surgeon you know from new york but he's english because then you've got to completely change his backstory where he grows up in england and then he moves over to america and stuff so it's gonna for me and maybe for some other people you know maybe anyone who's who's a big fan of of his sherlock it's gonna be a bit strange seeing him speaking with an american accent but i've got every faith that he can do it so what about you joe when when his appointment was confirmed how did you feel about that in terms of him just as the character but then it as the entire project as a whole well you know it was kind of funny because you're right about the timeline when they wanted it the the, believe it or not the the actor that they really wanted wait for it drum roll and they had a nine picture deal on the table for him was joaquin phoenix really yes who if you look like you were saying if you look at it now, I look at Cumberbatch and I'm like, he looks exactly what Stephen Strange should look like. Whereas I can't picture Joaquin Phoenix playing that role. And I actually have no problem with Joaquin Phoenix. I just don't think that 
he looks right in that role. I mean, you have to. It, this movie, I think, is going to be, in my opinion, is going to be a home run. But there is things that have to get across, and it, it appears from the trailers that the two that are out, they're clearly getting across the magical aspect. Um, the you know playing with that perception of reality. They're getting at. I mean, it it looks like Inception or a Matrix type movie, and that's yeah. what. You kind of need that here, but the other big part of this is well, there's two big parts for me. You need to get Dick, Steve Ditko's drawings to come to life somehow, and that's going to be hard. But you also have to get Stephen Strange's egotistical side across. And and in the early comics, and I don't know how much they'll delve into this, he had a strange sense of humor, like a funny wit. That Stu, you'll know this, but back in early Marvel days, a lot of the characters had this, starting really with. I mean, Spider-Man was the epitome of it, but it was strange humor that wouldn't be funny today. But I wonder if they're going to put that in there. I guess we'll see. But the other thing that you mentioned that was really interesting is the Robert Downey Jr. Because what I think that they're actually doing here is because Iron Man has kind of run his course. Mm. I think th- I think they're phasing out Downey Jr. and Cumberbatch. I think is going to be the next big one because he's going to play a huge part. Him and Captain Marvel, in my opinion, they're going to yeah. play. Huge, huge parts. They're going to go on runs, you know, like uh, Chris Evans and Downey Jr. did with Captain America and uh, Iron Man. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree because Robert Downey Jr. is, he, he's finished his, his run of solo films, hasn't he? There's been a lot of talk for about the last two years about an Iron Man 4, but nothing's being done. Nothing's being signed. He's, from a, from a character point of view, Iron Man is more of a spectator, isn't he? Like, he wasn't intended to be a big part of, of, of Civil War. Civil War was a Captain America film and Iron Man wanted to be on the sidelines, didn't he? He was there as more of a consultant, but he realised that he had to get involved because there was no one else that could do it and he thought he could do it either by using his friendship or by using his power. And I, I completely agree. The Going forward, I mean, it, Captain Marvel, they've made no secret of the fact that Captain Marvel is, in their vision the most powerful person that they will have introduced because she is, you know, she has got almost limitless cosmic power. There is very little that she can't do. And she could, you know, people always go back to say the Hulk because yeah, the Hulk is incredibly strong, but Captain Marvel could disintegrate the Hulk like that. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Strange could just teleport him to a different, you know, he could teleport him to the center of the earth or to a different dimension that he'd never come back from. So these guys have got the kind of power that it, it's going to bend belief, isn't it? You know, it's, and 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 that that is one of the, as you were mentioning about the ego, you, you can see in one of the trailers, the the ancient one is talking to Doctor Strange and, and well Stephen Strange at this point, and she, she's telling him about all these different things and all these dimensions and what we perceive is a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of a fragment of what is actually out there. And she seems to send him on this cosmic journey, the bit where she knocks him out of his body and his astral self falls backwards. And then something happens and it snaps him back to his body and, he, and he's almost begging her. He's like, teach me. So we, we, it looks like we're going to get some kind of a scene where he thinks he knows everything. He's being the big I am and he's being a bit of a dick. But then she's going to really school him and he's going to be so humbled because then he realises just how insignificant he and the rest of mankind are when you've got these beings that can cross between dimensions and can bend time and space 
just with a thought. So it, it, it's going to be very interesting. It, it's probably for him, it's going to be a very difficult role because he's a very, very multifaceted character, isn't he? He's not as straightforward as, you know, Captain America is the, the American poster child. Yes, he, he's got, you know, a couple of different layers, but generally with him, what you see is what you get. Whereas as Doctor Strange, he's already lived this whole life and then he's lost it and he's got to build himself back up. He's got to relearn, first of all, just how to use his hands. And then on top of that, when he's rebuilding his body, he's then got to rebuild his entire image of the world and of the universe and of things that he can't even see, that he can't touch. Whereas for a man of medicine, he, he's very much in that mindset of, you know, I can see and I can touch the things that are important and I can fix them because I've got these magic hands. Whereas now he's, almost, he's got to let that go, hasn't he? He's got to accept that he knows nothing compared to what the Ancient One does and, and compared to what Mordo does as well. Yeah, that's, that's the funny thing is that when he's so egotistical that he, he exhausts every option before even going to see the Ancient One. And then even when he gets in front of the Ancient One, he's, again, so egotistical that he's just, you know what, I, I know everything, just, just teach me because he doesn't take the time out to just say, okay, it's not all about me. He, he initially wants to go, hey, fix me so I can go back to doing my surgery. I want to go back to that previous life. It's not until after failure that he realizes that, yeah, maybe that's not for me. Maybe I need to do something else with my life, which coincides with the Ancient One finally saying, you know what, I'll teach you, because he's turned down multiple times, and he's put through tests in the comic books by the Ancient One. Basically, you know, you need to be, are you worthy enough for me to teach you? Because I think a lot of people, what they need to understand about the Ancient One is that it's not actually just one person. It's a role that's passed down to each individual. So the ancient one now, who was Tilda Swinton in the movies, a completely different person in the comic book, does die. And they have that title, Sorcerer Supreme. Now, Doctor Strange ends up getting that title, but it takes them years to achieve it. And it's only after the original, well, not the original, but the one who's taught him the ancient one dies, that he gets that title. And it, it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because if you're dealing with something like, you know, mystic arts, it makes sense that you wouldn't have just this one person and when this person dies, oh, well, that's it. It, it does make sense, doesn't it, that these things are passed down. It's kind of like the, the Black Panther, isn't it? The Black Panther is a title. They, they've not really covered it yet, and we don't know whether they will in the, in the Black Panther film. But that's got a mystic element, hasn't it, where each Black Panther is able to call on the experience and the knowledge of every previous one before them. And yeah, he- that's exactly right. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's not one person. They ha- you know, in the case of the Black Panther, they, T'Challa, who was the Black Panther that most people know from the movie, his dad was T'Chaka. So they have different names. They're different human beings. It's just passed down through mystic kind of forces, kind of elements, to give them this power. And it's the same exact thing with Doctor Strange. Yeah, and the... the- the, the, the casting of Tilda Swinton, I think we've talked about it before, it, it caused a lot of controversy because in the comics, the Ancient One is typically a Tibetan man. And Marvel were originally looking for a male actor, but they realised that there is such a political minefield out there because 
they had to recruit a Tibetan man. It couldn't be a Chinese man or a Japanese man or Singapore or Thai or Malaysian. It had to be Tibetan. And especially, it couldn't have been a Chinese man because of the tension between China and Tibet. And let's not go into that because that is just a minefield that I don't want to dance around in and I'm sure you don't either. No. They, they really, they, they can't afford, and it's a bit of a cynical move, but you've got to wake up and smell the fact that we live in a consumerist society. They've got to think, look, if we piss off the wrong people, we lose the entire Asian market. And you can't lose the Asian market because that is hundreds of millions of dollars. So they said, you know what? We'll probably piss off less people if we make it a white person, but we make it a woman. And I actually think any criticism they've had is a little bit unfair. You hear of the term whitewashing when typically black or Asian roles are recast as white. But I think it's a little bit unfair to criticise them for that when they've then gender flipped the role as well and made a male role female. I like that. I think that is a very brave move. That's as brave as what they've done with Scarlett Johansson, you know, making her such a prominent member of the Avengers. It's as brave as giving Black Panther his own film. There has never been a real big Hollywood blockbuster black superhero movie in this way. Miss Marvel, you know, a a female-led, you know, an all-powerful, cosmic-powered female superhero. Marvel are not afraid to challenge the norm, are they? They're not afraid to defy convention. And I applaud them for this. And let's be honest, Tilda Swinton is a fantastic actress, and the way she's playing it, she's, it's not even going to be typically feminine. The way she's portraying the ancient one is actually really androgynous and asexual. So you could even argue that she's not 100% female in the role. It's, it's like she's sort of a, I don't know, it, it may, I think they've kind of gone for more of a mystical thing. Maybe she's neither male nor female. She's just a creature. She is some kind of an embodiment of, of mystical forces. I think you nailed it right there. That's what it is. It's, it's all in the eye of the beholder. Like what I might see or may, you may see if we're in front of the ancient one could be completely different. I, I don't think it's whitewashing. I, I, I mean, she's a great actress. It's, it's, that's not what they were trying to do. And either way, they can't win here. If they, had no. put an, if they put an Asian person in, Somebody's going to complain. They're not going. The political climate in Tibet is, you know, as such, just can't just step away from it. You know, Tilda Swinton said she was never, you know, when they asked her to do this role, they, they didn't say it was not meant to be Asian. She was never asked to play an Asian character. So, if she was portrayed as an Asian character, I'd have a problem with it. But they're not trying to do that. They're not trying to say, here, you're a great actress, but play an Asian man or play an Asian woman and be the ancient one. That is, that's completely not what they're doing. Yeah, and, and that would be, you could understand the criticism because that would be offensive on a, on a level that you and I can't really understand. That would be very upsetting to a lot of people. And I oh, think yeah. that the, the, the eye of the beholder phrase that you use that is, is very, very good. Very good. You know, a hundred people could see the ancient one as differently. One could see it as you know, an androgynous woman, one could see an Asian man, one could see a black man, one could see a black woman. Maybe it comes from you, maybe you see who or what you want to see, and maybe Doctor Strange, maybe he feels more comfortable around women, maybe that's why he portrays the ancient one as a woman. But for, for a role like this, and, and she's taken on, she's, she's, she's a Yoda figure, isn't she? She's got to impart 
thousands and thousands of years of this mystical knowledge onto this this absolute newbie. So they needed a big, big actor or actress to take this part. It needed to be somebody who was going to be able to carry all that weight and all that that superstar into this role. And I come the end of the film, I don't think anyone's going to be talking about Tilda Swinton for anything other than a brilliant portrayal. I, I don't think anyone will be going, well, yeah, but, you know, she is still a white woman. I, I think that'll all fall away once once she starts speaking and once she starts doing what she does so well. I actually do too. I think once people see the movie, and again, I think it's going to be awesome, but there's going to be, or there's bound to be scenes between her and Dr. Strange, Cumberbatch, that are just going to be mind-blowing. And let's put it this way. If you watch the movie and those scenes are in there, which I can almost guarantee they will be, and you're still talking about the whitewashing, probably not a movie for you to go watch. Yeah, you've, you've probably missed the point. If you've gone to a, a film about magic and mystical stuff and all you're focusing on is the color of someone's skin or you know, two large lumps on their chest then you've yes. probably not gone in with the right, you know, you've not gone in for the right frame of mind. Have you? It's like the Ghostbusters reboot. So many people went into that film just to slag it off yep. and, and didn't really take it on its value. It was a crap film anyway, I thought, but it's got nothing to do with the fact that it, it had a, a leading cast of women. It was just a really bad script. It was just done terribly. But it Marvel, was. Marvel don't do bad scripts. Marvel made $500 million off Ant-Man. You know, a guy that shrinks and talks to ants. If they can do that, then they can make this film the the visual equivalent of having your head caved in with a sledgehammer. Yeah, and you know, you know it's funny. It's I, I can't think of a Marvel character, one of the at least that they've done, that has the unlimited potential that this one does. You can really go anywhere with this character. I mean, he was an event. He was an Avenger, and you know he's going to be in the new Avengers. You know yeah, that. I mean, you can go. Sh- He's a, he's a character who travels through astral planes, different dimensions, any time. He can bend time. I mean, it's it's amazing that the orb of Agamotto, it, it manipulates probabilities, i.e. changes time. That's what it does. So you, you can really put him in any situation, and it's not it shouldn't look uncomfortable on screen. And that, to me, that just makes me want to watch it more and more. As you say, it's limitless. If they can think it, he can do it. It's what's always attracted me to the to the Green Lanterns. You know, if, if you've got something that's got such a rich history, you are only limited by your own lack of imagination. And one thing that you can never accuse Marvel of, certainly not in in you know the last ten years in the MCU, you cannot criticize their imagination. The the, the vision that they've got spanning, you know, they, they look ten years ahead while other companies are maybe only thinking about the next film, they're thinking about the film after the film, after after the one they're doing. Now, you know, they're like four or five films ahead. They're, they're, they're filming the first one. They're already storyboarding the end of the trilogy and then how that relates to the rest of it. So they, they can be criticised for a lot, but I don't think they can be criticised for this. Before we wrap up on the, um, on the casting... I've got to try and pronounce this name right. So we've got Chiwetel Ejiofor. I think that's it. Is uh, playing. Go on. Am I wrong? No, no. I think it's Chi Whittle. I, I, it's it's real difficult. You might be right, but go ahead. He's playing. 
he's he's playing well I, I thought he was playing Baron Mordo but he's not is he Baron Mordo is for anyone that does know Doctor Strange he's one of his his arch nemeses he's one of his his greatest foes but they're actually they start off as friends and again I'll I'll hand over to Joey for this one cuz you know far more but from what I understand he Mordo starts off doesn't he and he believes that he is going to become sorcerer supreme that's exactly right. What happens is, is when, you know, Baron Mordo is a guy, um, and they call him Carl Mordo in here, and I, I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, Scott Derrickson, who was the director, did want to change the character, I guess, in conversations with, and I'm going to butcher his name, Chi Weddle 04. That's why the character actually got changed in the beginning. Now, where that character goes, I'm not sure, but Baron Mordo in the comics has been apprenticing underneath the Ancient One for a long time. And Dr. Stephen Strange comes, and he he sort of falls in love with him. But the thing that Mordo doesn't realize now, Mordo, because he's waited so long, he gets frustrated. He doesn't have the patience, and that's one of the big things that, in the Ancient One, in his eyes, you need this patience to have all this knowledge, or you can't you can't be me essentially. So he knows that Mordo is plotting to kill him, even though Mordo doesn't know it. If you're still with me here, so. When Stephen Strange comes along, he essentially picks him over Mordo. So that's how they become enemies. You know, the Ancient One, again, knows that Mordo is plotting against him. Now, Stephen Strange finds out about this and stops Mordo with the help of the Ancient One because neither Mordo or Stephen Strange knew that the Ancient One knew that he was being plotted against. I know that's a mouthful. I apologize. <laughs> but it's, it's a whole big... Mordo's trying to kill Ancient One. Ancient One knows about it. Stephen Strange comes in, and after he shows, see, that's where the ego, that's where he loses the ego part. Once he shows that he cares for somebody else other than himself, even somebody he had just met because he believes in the Ancient One, that's when he stops and he thinks, you know what, you're my guy. I'm gonna, you're gonna be the next sorcerer, sorcerer supreme when I die, and I'm gonna give you this knowledge. I'm gonna give you this this magic, this power that not many beings in any realm or planet have. Yeah, I've read about it a little bit. And as you said, they they had a vision. And then Scott Derrickson has sat down with the actor. Let's stop butchering his name. It's probably really upsetting him when he listens to this. And and, and they decided, you know, in, in a very fluid, organic way that they wanted to sort of round the character off a bit. And again, they should be applauded for doing that. You know, the... The, the casting shouldn't ever be a case of you come in, you do this. You know, they they want to have a confidence in their in their cast, don't they? And how much more confidence can you have than you come in and say, right, this is how we've written the character? And he says, well, actually, what about if we did this? And you go, oh, okay, yeah, okay, because then it's going to make his portrayal a little bit easier and a little bit more believable for him because he's already shown that he's invested. To me, anyway, he's invested in that character because he's already thought about how he wants to change it and how he wants to to put his own little spin on it. And the, the, yeah. other, the other major bit of casting, which a lot of people have got in, um, you know, up in arms about, is Mads Mikkelsen as the, as the villain. Now, I don't know who Cassilius is. The only Doctor Strange villains I know is Baron Mordo and... Why is his name just dropped out of my head? Oh, the guy whose head's on fire. Um... I'm drawing a blank here too. Why is it gone? Oh no! 
right, skip that, <laughs> I'll think and it'll come back to me and I'll shout it out and it'll be really awkward. So is is Cassilius a character from the comics or is he an original one that they've done for the film? Well, I believe this this Cassilius is an original. Um, there was, there, I mean, maybe he's not, but there was a disciple of Mordo who was Cassilius. But I, I just don't know if this particular one is that is that same because they're looking at Mordo who, it, it appears in this film, Mordo is not an enemy yet. So I'm guessing, and again, I don't want to, give anything too much away if people go watch him like hey that asshole on that podcast said this so, <laughs> but but Cassilius in the comics is a disciple of mordo um he's kind of like an agent for him if that makes sense he's kind of like his right hand man that might make more sense i found um, it dormammu no. that's who, who i was thinking of who was it dormammu ah okay yeah 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 so yeah Cassilius is he i mean again he is he's not He's not a well-known character. He's not a big character, and maybe that's the angle they're looking for. But yeah, he he is a disciple of Baron Mordo, so I'm thinking maybe there could be somewhere in this movie where those two plot together. Yeah, and we just don't know. I mean, maybe you and I know that because we follow comics, but the general fan or whatever may not know that. Okay, I mean, it, it could be something maybe that they get to at the end of the film, and maybe this is going to form the basis for a Doctor Strange two. Yeah, like maybe like a shocker at the end where they go, oh man, they were working together. I didn't know he was plotting against them. Yeah, or, or Cassilius gets inside Mordo's head and he's like, oh, you must be so pissed off. You were supposed to be the Sorcerer Supreme and now this guy's taken over. If I were you, I'd get back at him and then maybe they strike up some kind of a partnership and bang, freeze frame, you've already got your, your villains all packaged up for Doctor Strange too. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, it makes, it makes total sense. Okay, well, on that note, on that little bombshell, I think we'll stop there and we'll just have a quick break. So just stay where you are. We'll be back in a second. You're listening to the Anfield Index Podcast Channel. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, thanks for bearing with us. Uh, we are still doing a little preview of, uh, of Doctor Strange. Uh, we, we've covered the cast. What were your initial thoughts when they mentioned a Doctor Strange film, when it first came out? And I think it was probably when they released that, that board, wasn't it, that timeline? Uh, was Doctor Strange, I mean, presumably you were excited about it, but did you sort of have instantly high hopes? Were you concerned or anything like that? 
Well, when we first heard about it, it was on that board. You're right. But I think it was Winter Soldier when, what is it, uh, Agent Sitwell from Hydra was talking yes, about it. on the roof before yeah. they throw him off. That's right. He was talking about threats to Hydra, and he said Hulk, and then he said Stephen Strange. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a sec. Now, I guess my initial thought was, you know, this is going to be real difficult to get the film. And while Marvel pretty much doesn't miss, so, you know, I have confidence there, but you just don't know how it's going to come across because first of all, Stephen Strange is popular to me, but the, the outsider who just likes watching comic book movies, he's not a terribly popular character. You know, he's not like an Iron Man or a Captain America or a Hulk or somebody who, you know, you wear a t-shirt and people go, Oh, I know who that is. Yeah. A lot of people don't know who Stephen Strange is. And it's, you know, even though he's a real, really, really cool character, I mean, there's just the mainstream people aren't going to know who that is. So I wasn't sure until I found out, like when, like the the Captain Marvel thing, and I'm like, okay, now I see what they're going with this. They're going cosmic. They want to show this other side of it. And again, it's real difficult to do. But it, from them trailers for both those movies, they look fantastic. So I'm really confident. I'm really confident this movie is going to be a hit. And even when it came out, I just it's hard to imagine again. And I'm a DC fanboy, you know that still. But if yep, this was me too. if this if this was DC film, I'd be really hesitant. But because Marvel has that track record of just hitting home run after home run, I, I really didn't have too much. I really wasn't worried about it. I, I know this is going to be a good movie. Well, put it this way: the the counterpart for DC would be Doctor Fate, wouldn't it? And if yeah. this, if this was a Doctor Fate film, I'd be very worried, exactly the same as you, because DC. I mean, DC have had trouble with Superman. And Superman is like the most well-known superhero in the world. You know, when you've got babies and middle-aged people wearing Superman merchandise and you can get a Superman logo on literally anything from Shaquille O'Neal's basketball court floor to key rings to, to car vinyls and stuff like that. If you can get it on everything and if they can miss on that, how are they going to introduce the mystical side of things and of magic and of all these weird powers and all the rest of it? But like you say, Marvel don't miss. But it's interesting that you mentioned the Sitwell thing. Did you, somebody ask them about that recently? I don't know who they asked. I don't know if it was maybe Kevin Feige or one of the Russo brothers or anything like that. But they asked somebody, well, based on the timeline, are you saying that in the events of Winter Soldier... Stephen Strange was already Doctor Strange. Is this overlapping? And they actually said it wasn't. They considered Doctor. They considered Stephen Strange to be a threat because of his intellect, mm-hmm. not his powers. Now, I didn't think that at the time. I thought, like you, I thought, really, you've just dropped Doctor Strange, and that's all you're going to do. You're just going to leave it hanging like that. So they were implying that you know they were concerned just by a clever surgeon. Now, whether you believe that or not, I don't really know, because that sounds a little bit stupid. Why would Hydra be concerned by a surgeon when they've, got, they've infiltrated every single organization in the entire world that's got any kind of power? Seems yeah, it's a bit of an odd one. I agree. I, think, I don't believe that for a second. If you know anything about comics, especially Marvel Universe, everything is tied to each other one way or another. Um, and the, if he did exist during that time, the mightiest magician in the cosmos, nobody know about, I yeah. mean, it's, it's a bit, 
bit of a stretch, and I guess they have to say that. You know, you can't get everything perfect timeline-wise. It's just too hard to do. If they want to, I mean, they could, they could be releasing movies every month if they really wanted to. Yeah, um, and but you think yeah, so, sometimes these projects do get shelved, don't they? So maybe yeah. I would assume that around the time of Winter Soldier, they must have been working on even an early version of the script because if they wanted Cumberbatch four years ago. They must have had the idea in mind. Maybe they were concerned that they weren't going to get him or that they were going to scrap it because there might have been a lot of negative reaction to it. Like, oh, God, we don't want a film about a magician. Or like has happened with the, the Inhumans movie, where so much other stuff that's coming ahead of it has just gained so much momentum. And they've just had to put it on the back burner and say, you know what? We might get round to this, but it's not going to be in the next five years. Because as yeah, far as we understand, the, the Inhumans film is being made they've just got absolutely no idea when because there's another 15 films before it. Yeah, a, scr- a script like this for, for a Doctor Strange movie has to be really difficult because it's the, the beginning is probably pretty simple. You know, you just you have his background. Again, he was an egotistical surgeon. He had a bad car accident and lost the – he couldn't do what he wanted to do anymore. But the rest of that, meeting the Ancient One and finding the right characters and coming up with a story where – you know, do you follow comic book lore exactly, or do you switch it up a little bit? It's got to be difficult. I mean, Captain America, all the other, you know, um, Hulk, even Thor, to a certain extent, it doesn't. It can't be that difficult to write a script like that. But for this one, where people don't know, like mainstream doesn't know who he is, you have to you have to introduce him somehow. Yeah, you, you've got to. It, it's the, it's one of the big failings of the Green Lantern film, isn't it? They they took this huge thousands and thousands of year old um story and just dropped it in your lap and expected you to know what it is you know it wasn't superman or batman or spider-man or the hulk where everyone in the world knows who these guys are where they come from like you said if you were walking down the street and you're wearing an iron man t-shirt someone will go oh okay or if you've got a captain america shield on your shirt people are going oh it's captain america if you had like a t-shirt that had say, the, Sanct- uh, the Sanctum Sanctorum's uh, little window logo on it. Nobody's yeah. going to know what that is because it just kind of looks like a basketball. So people would be going, oh, that's a bit weird. And if you went, oh, yeah, it's Doctor Strange, people are going, who? Is that the yeah, DC not- guy, the one that was in Gotham last year? No, 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 that was Hugo Strange. He's not a doctor, he's a professor. So, it, yeah, it's... And, and that's what they've got to do, but that's what Marvel do so well, isn't it? They tread the line perfectly between... You're a hardcore fan, you're going to love this. And you're mm-hmm. just a movie fan, and you're going to love it as well. And they, they really do blend the two crowds together. Yeah, they, and Marvel, what Marvel does better than anybody is they take the proper time to make sure they get it right. There's no, let's throw this together because it, we're on, we have good momentum here. Like They really took the time out, and you could see that from the trailers. If that movie doesn't have you excited, then again, it's probably just not the movie for you. But they're so good at explaining things and teasing things and building them up, and then bam, it's just it, they produce great movies. And and visually, it looks like nothing we've ever seen before. Certainly, nothing that we've seen for Marvel. As you mentioned before, it, it's very much along the lines of Inception. It's going to be so so CGI heavy so trippy and so surreal to see astral projection and uh, teleportation we don't know I, I don't think there's been anything in the trailer that's hinted really at time travel but why not 
you know, he's capable of all these things. If the ancient one has given him this crash course education in mystical powers, you'd think she's going to want to show him a little bit of everything. So maybe she's going to take him to a point in the past. And from his astral, his astral form, he's going to be able to maybe observe himself doing surgery or something like that to really get into his big, arrogant brain. You really are a speck of dust on the beach, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things. And you need to open your mind to even begin to contemplate all that I'm going to tell you. There's certain movies that you just remember. Like when The Matrix came along, you were like, wow, I've never seen anything like that. When Inception came along, you, you'd say the same thing. You were like, man, I never even thought on those kind of terms, let alone seen a movie like that. You know, it's not every day that we think of time travel. We think of different universes and things of that nature. And this is what this character is going to open that up for so many people. I mean, I think for sure they're going to have time travel in this movie. I don't think that's even a question. I think absolutely you're going to have that. But yeah, I, I, and I wrote it in my article um, that I did for the comic pod. I, I really think this movie, and it's going to be asking a lot, but I think this movie might be the best they produce yet. Bold statement. Hang on, I'm supposed to be the one that makes the predictions. Don't, <laughs> don't you be coming in here and stealing my bit. We'll tell you what. Seeing as you've stolen my bit, you've become the new Stu, so I'm going to have to become the new Rory, and I'm going to have to talk about the director, which is go. very, very uncharted territory for me, because I generally don't know who these guys are. But I did do a little bit of reading about Scott Derrickson, and Marvel have done another really weird piece of, of casting for this, because Scott Derrickson's history, I mean, he's only a young director, he's only 39, and, and his background is pretty much exclusively horror films. So he, he started off, his first real big one was, uh, was one of the Urban Legends films, he's then done Hellraiser, he's done films about exorcism and, and, and things like that, and, and yet again, it's Marvel have gone to a, a genre where you would not expect them to be plucking a director and dropping him into magic slash sci-fi slash comic but when did when have marvel ever done this and got it wrong you know when when they they oh what what was the guy's name that did deadpool he'd never directed a major film before it was a smash hit it, it defied expectation it broke records and it's one of their most successful properties there's no reason why this couldn't be. I, I would certainly say that this is going to be visually the best. I, I can't see how this is go how any of the other films are going to be able to compete with this. The the scale of this, when you're seeing that cityscape where the whole city is almost folding in on itself, and you can see in the background Doctor Strange is falling from one half of the city onto the other, and and as we've said, you know, there's going to be time travel, teleportation. And there's one thing that I've never really thought about until you mentioned it. I wonder if this could be their, their introduction into the multiverse. Yes, big time. Because the, 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 the first character that I think about the multiverse that they could use this to introduce is Miles Morales. Because with, with Spider-Man Homecoming, there's been, there's been suggestions that Donald Glover, who I love because he was fucking hilarious in Community, might, awesome. might actually be... Miles Morales. Now, little, very, very brief summary on that. The the main Marvel universe is called Earth Six One Six. Miles Morales exists in a different universe, 
where Peter Parker, Spider-Man, actually dies and Miles Morales is inspired by this and he goes on to become that universe's Spider-Man. But he's very young, isn't he? He's 14, isn't he, when he starts? Mm-hmm. So he's an actual, genuine child when he starts this off. And in some of the comics and in some of the, the animated TV show, the oh, the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, they've, they've been very heavily using Miles Morales in there. He, he's brought over from his own dimension into the 616. Now, Doctor Strange could be used to do that. And the logical thing for me, as I've said many, many times in my former role as the predictions guy, is that I think that in the, in the first part in Infinity Wars, the, the classic Avengers led by Iron Man are going to try and take on Thanos and they're going to get absolutely battered. They're going to get their asses handed to them. And then in the second part, whatever that's going to be called, because we know it's not going to be called Infinity Wars Part 2, I think we're going to see the new Avengers come in. So Cap's going to bring in new and improved Bucky, Black Panther, Ant-Man and what have you. But I also wonder if then we're going to see, is Captain Marvel going to be brought in in the second one? So she's bringing in the mystical element and all that. Sorry, she's bringing in the cosmic powers. But then could we even see Doctor Strange? And if Doctor Strange by this point has been the Sorcerer Supreme for a few years, he may have travelled across different universes and different dimensions, and he may have seen these heroes, and he might have thought, well, hang on, this kid Spider-Man, He's really powerful. He's wise beyond his years. Maybe we should bring him into this fight. And maybe there's other people. Maybe Spider-Gwen, you know, another alternate Spider-Man. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe somebody from the Ultimates universe uh, where the, the if, I'm, oh, if I'm right on this, that's just where they, they sort of changed the backstory for a lot of the characters, didn't they? And the, the Ultimates universe is a separate Marvel universe, isn't it? It's not the 616. That's right, yeah. So this could be a very, very, very big opportunity for Marvel. They've already got hundreds of characters that they could use. This is their their chance to maybe turn that into thousands. I mean, it's what The Flash have done on the TV show by introducing the multiverse. They were able to say, right, well, okay, well, if we want three Flashes on screen all at once, we can do that because we've got three different Earths. You know, if we want to bring in another speedster, but we don't want it to be the same as the reverse flash. Oh, well, he's the reverse flash from a different, a different Earth. And as you said before, the, the possibilities are endless. If they can think it, they can do it, they can put it on screen and they can cast it. That's right. I think you actually hit nail on head there. I think that's exactly what's going to happen as that Stephen Strange and Captain Marvel with other adventures are going to end up fighting Thanos. Um, and they'll need it, won't they? they? They will learn very quickly. There is only so much that repulsor blasts and trick arrows and guns and Hulk smashing, there's only so much we can do That's right. be, be, before we've got to accept that we need to use the things that we don't understand. We need to use magic. We need to use the powers from the stars. Maybe even we need to use the mutant element or something like that. We need to come at him from every single possible angle to even make a dent on this guy's skin. Yeah, I mean, Stephen Strange, I don't know if you know this, but he has actually ran into Thanos in the comic books before, traveling through planes, and he's seen the, the kind of destruction that, is, that he is capable of. Um, you know, his, his book of Vashanti is written by basically unknown authors, and it's the greatest source of, they call it white magic, but not to get too much into it, it's the greatest source of magic in the world. 
you know, it's written by all kinds of magical beings. And there's a part of that book which is written by, take a wild guess, Thanos. So wow, okay. Yeah, so he, you know, he knows that kind of power. So, yeah, like you said, it's going to take an incredible amount of firepower to take him down. And that this this seems like the ultimate opportunity to do it. And and by the time these films roll round, I w- I would like to see to go right back to an early point you made. If we're talking, this is almost like the um, it's like a new brat pack, isn't it? If you're going to retire Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans as the two main guys, and you're going to bring in the others, I would like to see Doctor Strange appearing in cut scenes or post credit scenes in a lot of the other films. And it would be really good to see him appear in one of them. Maybe he appears in one in, maybe not the next Spider-Man film, but maybe in a second Spider-Man film, where he goes and talks to Peter Parker about Miles Morales, and he's like, you know, there's, you're not the only Spider-Man. I, I've travelled across dimensions, and I've seen hundreds of Spider-Men. And the, there's one I'd like you to meet, or he, he, he goes and he talks to, I don't know, maybe he talks to Captain Marvel, and he's like, look, something big's coming. You know, I've, I've been traveling across dimensions. I've seen things that will make your eyes bleed. And she's like, well, what are you talking about? And he, said, and he starts talking about Thanos. And she's like, oh, I, I know that guy. I've traveled across the galaxies. I, I know who that guy is. And you know, they, they really are getting to the point now where they can just explain. They, they get into Star Trek territory, aren't they? Where they can explain anything away by going, yeah, it's magic. Or yeah, it's from another planet. Or yeah, it's from another galaxy. And yeah, I that, can't fucking exactly wait. Right. I I can't wait for that because the thought of that, the thought of them introducing the multiverse, gets me very excited. Because that's when shit starts getting beyond trippy. I mean, beyond even a magic film, and you know, Thor films where you've got a race of beings that exist in a different dimension, and we've perceived them to be gods throughout history. You know, making that look normal. That's how trippy and weird this shit could get. Oh, I, I totally agree. I think I believe this film's going to make the Thor films look like they were done thirty years ago. Yeah, it's just it's 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 just going to be really really intense. You're going to have intense scenes of, you know, you saw the trailer where like the, like the landscape is kind of folding in on itself, and you know, he once he once the ancient one starts teaching him this stuff, this is what is going to be taught. I mean, he's going to be. He's going to be in space. He's going to be in different dimensions. He's going to be in between. You know, it, it's going to be all kinds of stuff. You, again, again, you can it's limitless. You can do really anything you want with this movie. And it, it cannot come soon enough. I'm lucky. We were saying before we started recording, we're very lucky in England because we're actually getting the film three weeks before America. We don't Asterisk. quite know why, but it's obviously something to do with money. But so when we've been and seen the film, everyone, please, let's be careful of spoilers. And I know I sometimes accidentally do them, but it's going to be very, 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 very hard for Joey to avoid spoilers for this film, especially <laughs> when you obviously follow a lot of people who are into this shit, whether they're casual fans or, or you know, really heavily indoctrinated comic book fans. But I, I think it's fair to say that anyone who's listening will be able to to pick up we might be a little bit excited about this and <laughs> and speaking for our fallen comrade mr rory greenfield he's excited about this too he it's a shame he couldn't be here in all in all seriousness rory's not well 
He really, really wanted to come on. He really badly wanted to do this and to tell you guys about how excited he is and his predictions and his vision, but he physically can't do it. He is beyond under the weather and he's going away next week, so he needs to get himself well. So send him your best wishes. We will, after the film, we'll be doing our typical uh, review of the film, but we are going to have to leave that a little bit. We're probably going to be leaving that until probably going to be around Christmas time because we, we, we normally leave it about four to six weeks to give people time to, to get out and watch the films because we accept that not everyone's going to do what we're going to do and be there within the first 48 hours. So we'll, we'll be doing that. Um, hopefully, if our schedules are, are able to line up again, we'll get Joey back on. As We do like getting anyone who's done a preview to come back on and do the review. What did we do right? Did we get any major talking points right? Did we get things wrong? You know, did our impressions change from the trailers to the actual film? So hopefully, Joey, we can get you back on. Uh, Absolutely. I would love to come back on. And thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks for bailing us out, because otherwise it would have been me talking about this, and that would have been really boring for all you lot. My pleasure, man. I love doing this stuff. So is there anything that you want to want to plug any articles that you might have written or any other any other pods that you you've been on or are going to be on? Um, pods I'm going to be on. We will be doing an American AI pod, I believe, in two weeks. But as far as the articles, yeah, anything I've ever written for AI Comic Pod, please give a read. If you please don't like do. it, if you lo- don't like it, let me know. It's okay. If you have ideas, I would love to hear them. Um, I I don't just write strictly about comics. I can, but I like to put other things in there. Um, basically, every time I write, I write an article, I hand it to Stu so he gets to read it beforehand. But yes. Uh, I try to put it about racism or um, feminism or you name it. I try to integrate it into a certain character. Like I, I wrote one for Daredevil Today that I gave Stu. I have a Supergirl one coming up. I have a Spider-Man ethics one coming up. So please read it. You guys, I think people who like it, you don't even have to or don't even like comics. I still think you'll appreciate and enjoy at least some of it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. We I, I get to read all these th- things first, which is great. And pretty much every time one of these articles lands on my on my lap, I learn something new. I've learned just going looking through the website now. I've learned more recently about Captain Marvel, about Luke Cage, about Black Panther. There was a brilliant article about the Speed Force, which was just brilliant. There was Harley Quinn, which was very much looking at her from a from a female point of view. Uh, you've then got, I will tweet out a link to the, the Doctor Strange article because you should really read it. Uh, there was uh, Iron Man's impact uh, in the Cold War. There was Wonder Woman as a feminist icon. The Luke Cage one looks very much into uh, the black exploitation era and, and racism. And yeah, the, some of the articles are, are exactly what they look like. And a lot of them tend to go a lot deeper and, you know, really delve into the you know the inner workings of of the of the time period or of the thought process behind the characters. So please do read them. If you've got any articles that you'd like to see, either from Joey or from myself or from Rory, who did a brilliant uh, article the other day about Marvel versus DC uh, in cinema, that was really good. Please do let us know. We all enjoy writing them. We do it because we like it. You know, we're not getting thousands of views on them, but if we get a hundred, if a hundred people read them. 
that's fucking brilliant. A hundred people have read, you know, have read something about Black Panther or about Doctor Strange. So please do read them. Please do share. Please do send your feedback. I've not really got any articles coming up, although I keep saying I'm going to do a Green Lantern one, but I'm very busy between reading comics, reading <laughs> more comics, reading graphic novels and playing with my dog. But at some point, I'm going to try and get an article done that looks at the entire history of the Green Lantern Corps, going right back to the to the uh, the Guardians of Oa and the original Manhunters and what went wrong, right the way through. Uh, Alan Scott, Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Guy Gardner, Kyle Rayner, Simon Baz, and Jessica. Fuck, what's Jessica's surname? Ah, uh, balls. Yes, I knew you were going to ask me that. You've got to give me a pass on the Jessica one because I stopped reading Green Lantern comics for about 15 years, so I'm really playing catch-up. Uh, and uh, as, as always, everyone, if, if you've got any suggestions for uh, for articles again or for any episodes that you'd uh, that you'd like to see, we're always coming up with weird, weird things. The latest one I came up with the other day was Heroes That We Hate. So we're, we're going to try and put a panel together to discuss heroes that we just don't like for no apparent reason uh, Rory and I are going to be looking at Arrow season 4 which sadly has been a little bit delayed uh, because of illness and holiday uh, Joey's going to be joining us along with uh, Chris 433 Chris to do sidekicks uh, superhero teams top 3 superpowers that you'd like to have uh, Joey and I are going to be doing uh, a look at the DC Rebirth comics starting with Aquaman because we're going to be really organised and do them alphabetically, which is just brilliant. Mm-hmm. We've never really got round to doing uh, Jessica Jones Season 1. Uh, we need to do a Luke Cage Season 1, because that's been incredibly well-received. And I'm awesome. still trying to flesh out a discussion for Justice League versus the Avengers, man for man slash woman for woman slash woman for man. Love that, that, idea. That, that might actually end up now think about it that might turn into an article because i've it, been thinking about it for about six weeks now and i'm constantly changing the lineups so i might just write it but ask me that next time we do a podcast which will possibly be the week after next because rory's away next week so i think we're done there thanks everyone for listening i hope you all enjoyed dr strange and we'll see you soon 